0: You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Coop. Last Sunday we talked about going to another level, and we used the story of David. And David had to pass five tests to go to the next level. And if you want to go to the next level in life, we all have to pass those five tests. The first one was the discipline test. And I'm not going to give you all the tests again. If you missed that, uh, it's a test. To go to the podcast and download it and, and make sure you know those five tests. Because if you want to go to another level in your career, another level in ministry, another level in family, no matter where you want to go to, God put those five tests, he embedded them, uh, just like jewels of wisdom, into that story of David and Goliath. And every once in a while in our life, we face a Goliath, something that's bigger than us, but through God we can conquer it. But there's some tests that you have to check off if you want to do that. So I would go to the podcast. You can download that really easily and get it there. Today we're going to talk about removing limitations and barriers to go to the next level. And our key verse is Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. Would you say with me this morning, thank you, Lord, for the book of Psalms. Yeah, we love the Bible. We delight in it. Amen. Here we read this verse it says you have to delight in it. You, it really has to be like your number one book, your, your, most, your favorite reading has got to be the Bible. You have to delight in it more than anything else. You, you love to read it. You love to study it. It's your passion. So here we go. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Okay, let's just pause there for a bit. This, this verse is screaming, look around. It says to your life, look around, how are you being influenced? Ask yourself that question, what influences you? Where are you standing? Where are you sitting? Where are you walking? What is influencing your life? If you follow the money, you'll, if you follow, where do advertisers spend their money? If you are a big company and you want to spend some money, you want influence out of the money that you spend, right? You want to say, okay, where can I get the best bang for my buck, the most influence on people? Well, still, television is number one. Most advertising money goes to television, it goes to print, it goes to newspapers. That's declining. Television is actually dropping. More people are spending money now advertising on the Internet, and the new upcoming one is mobile phones and the mobility side of it. That's up and coming. So just follow the money, and you'll see where most people in the world are influenced. So we have to look around and say, how am I being influenced? This verse says, be careful, because if you want to be blessed... Watch out where your where your influence is coming from. Uh, Then it says this, but his delight, delight, passion, is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. That sounds a lot like Joshua. Remember from a couple weeks ago? God saying to Joshua, You're going to do another level, you're going to go to the promised land. But to make it, you're going to have to meditate day and night on my word. Then you'll prosper. You'll have good success. You'll make wise decisions. But this is a requirement. To live in the blessings of God doesn't just happen automatically. It's in there. It's inside of us. It's, but it has to be unlocked. And the way we unlock it is by meditating on God's Word, delighting in His Word. Romans t- tells us that we should not be conformed to this world, put into the world's mold, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That we can prove what is a good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. We can prove it, that it's, it's proved, it's unlocked, it's unleashed as we meditate on God's Word. And inside of us is greatness. And uh, I, I think one of the greatest challenges is to get across to God's people that there's something great on the inside of you. Greater is He that is in you. Is, that should convince us. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So there is something great in us. But we have so many other messages coming at us that maybe from our past, our background, our failures, whatever. We say, no, it's not great. Your, your life won't amount to much. No guts. is saying, no, no, there's something great in you. I was praying and meditating about this message again this morning, and the Holy Spirit spoke something in my heart so clear. and said, he desires that his glory be shone through his people more than nature. Oh, I see God in nature. I see him there. I see him. He says, no, I, I desire, because heaven and earth will pass away. Yeah. It will pass away. We will not pass away. Yeah. We will be forever with him. He says, I desire that my greatness would shine through my people more than even the mountains and the streams and the beauty of my creation. This is my prize creation. You're it. So he desires that through you, his glory, John says, in, the, in him was a light, the light was a light of man, and the light shone. It's out of people that we, he wants his glory to shine. And God is shining through us when this blessing is unlocked and released through our life. It's in our DNA to do something amazing with our lives. So he says, if you delight in this word, you're blessed if you meditate on it day and night. Then it goes on to say, he shall be like a tree. So God's comparing us to a tree. You're compared to a tree. We're going to talk about a tree in just a minute. You'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Rivers of water there literally means an irrigation channel. If you look it up in a Strong's Concordance, very simple, it just says it's an irrigation channel. So we think river, we think stream, but really this verse is it's very intentional. Planted by irrigation, planted by irrigation, that means there's a specific, there's intentionality, get this tree planted by a stream, the right spot, always drinking, it's flourishing. Planted by the streams of water, it brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaves shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. A couple things, it's fruitful, get planted by that stream, you're fruitful. John Piper describes it this way. A fruitful person is someone who's refreshing, nourishing to those around them. You always go away fed, you go away strengthened, you go away with your taste for spiritual things awakened. Their words are healing and convicting and encouraging and deepening and enlightening. Being around them is like a meal. So great. So we're fruitful. Then it says that we're also that our leaf doesn't wither. That means we're durable whether there's a famine or whether there's a drought, whether the hot winds blow and everybody else seems to be drying up, we're still, we're durable, and then we'll prosper. There's success. Then you'll have success. What does success mean? And we need to just take a moment on this because the way the world frames success is not the same way God frames success. David was chosen because of what was on the inside, not what was on the outside. God looks on the inside. So we may frame success by how much money a person has, where they live, what they drive, what they wear, so forth. But God frames success a little bit different. He frames success on character, what's taking place on the inside. You can be highly successful in God's eyes, but the world doesn't even notice you. Or you can be highly successful and the world knows you, but God still thinks you're really successful. Abraham was very successful had, he was a great rancher, had a lot of success, but he was also successful on the inside. So, you, you know, let's just take a snapshot of the way God sees success. Zig Ziglar said, success is determined not by what you get for reaching your destination, but what you became by reaching it. When you reached your goals, what did you become? Did you become better or did you become bitter? How, what Did you change for the better or the worse when God brought success? Really success and integrity is attested both in adversity and in prosperity. Actually, sometimes prosperity is a harder test for character than adversity is. We've seen people come and they lived in a very poor nation. They came to Canada. They were Christ followers where they were, but when they came here and they got successful, they were drawn away. God had a warning for the people when they went into the promised land. He says, when you get there, Do not forget that it was I who gave you power to get wealth, that my covenant, not your covenant, my covenant might be established. So we want to handle success wisely, but God wants us to succeed. There's no doubt about it. So this morning, we're going to do something fun. We're going to take a tree. I thought, well, which tree could we compare it to? So let's take the biggest tree in the world. The biggest, the grandest is the redwood sequoia tree. It's the biggest tree. I found a book written by Paul Tiska called Sequoia Size Success, Unlocking Your Potential for Greatness. And he had some good points on the sequoia tree that I want to borrow this morning. And uh, uh, the, the, the trees are amazing, these trees. They, they really are. They, they grow. The tallest one today on record is 379 feet high. Take a look at the Fortis Gas Building across the street. That's 333 feet. So add about another 50 feet on top of that, and you've got the tallest sequoia. Huge tree, right? Th- this tree truly is h l whole nother level, this tree. Uh, they, you know, the oldest tree they found in this redwood forest is 2,200 years old. So the, you talk about durable, that tree is durable. Uh, they have the... The base of them, it can be up to 45 feet wide, the base. If you've ever gone maybe to one of the the, the, the forests where they are in California, you could actually drive your car through the tree. You, you just Google it. You'll see pictures if you haven't been there. It's an amazing sight to see these trees. And they, where they grow, there's a lot of little streams that run through them. The soil is always moist where the sequoia tree grows. It's all, they are planted by streams of water. And they grow at an elevation about 6,500 feet. And the fog that comes in off the coast, the Pacific Ocean, actually helps them to grow to that height. They grow in different places, but not to that height. They're resistant to fire. Uh, actually, fire helps them. Bugs and insects do- can't kill them. They, have, they, they grow in groves, and uh, they, they, they grow together. Uh, what else can I tell you about the trees? There's just lots of interesting facts about these trees. And I think we're here today event. I'd like to be like a Sequoia. There's a truck named after Sequoia. There's restaurants in our city named after Sequoia. People like the name because it speaks of greatness and strength. And you can be a Sequoia Christian. You can grow to another level. How would we do that? What can we learn from the Sequoia? That's where we're going to go this morning and uh, talk a bit about that. Um, Well, number one, this is first and foremost, is that Sequoias start from a cone. I'll show you a picture of the cone because it's the size of an egg. That's the size of the cone that falls from the tree. Not very big compared to how big it grows, growing to over 300 feet. This is where it starts. And actually, that opens up. And inside of it, the sequoia redwood tree seed is the size and looks like oatmeal flake. If you've ever made oatmeal in the morning, that's the size of a sequoia. Small, small, small beginning. And so our first point is this, if you want to grow to greatness, do not despise the day of small beginnings. Sometimes we say, well, I have an idea, I have a vision, I have a dream, but it's so small, who am I even to consider that something great could come out of it? God always works with seed time and harvest. He works through seeds. God said, as long as there's the earth, there's going to be seed time and harvest. So understand that the greatness that we have within us will always start with a seed. It's not going to start with a sapling. It's going to start with a seed. So whatever it is, it will start with a seed. Colonel Sanders, we know him from Kentucky Fried Chicken. Have you heard his story? It's a great example. Here he is. He's in his 60s. His restaurant goes bust. All he's got is a recipe for chicken, making 11 herbs and spices. You know the story. But he had a seed, and he began to go from place to place, and finally he found an investor, and they took that little seed, and the rest is history. It grew into a sequoia tree of a business, but he took that one little seed. Starts with a seed. Zechariah 4.10, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. God gets excited. Are you seeing this verse? Look at this verse. Let's let's meditate on this verse. Let's just really chew on this for a bit. God rejoices to see the work begin. So when he gives you a seed of an idea and you put it in the soil, God's going, Yay! They got it, they're doing it. Yes, they're planting the seed. Why? Because he doesn't see the seed, he sees the sequoia tree. He gets excited when when you step out in faith and you plant your seed. I think what grieved God hard is when He gives us seeds and ideas, and we go, Al, well, I don't think I have enough education. I don't think I have enough money. I don't think I've got enough support. I don't think I've got this, I've got that. Just take your seed and plant it by the streams of living water. Don't plant it in the desert somewhere. Plant it. Those who plant the house of the Lord shall flourish. Those who meditate in the Word shall flourish. The seed won't flourish if it's out there in the desert somewhere, but plant it by the stream. That seed is enough. Let me show you a picture of this church. This is a seedling form of this church. This is our church. Let me see if you can find this picture. That's 1993. You know, that is, that's a seed. That's our first life group. That's, that's Coastal Church 101. That's where it started. Landmark hotel, little breakout room. We couldn't even find an uh, apartment. Nobody would even, we couldn't find an apartment to meet in, but we, so we rented this room. That's the seed. That's Coastal Church in seedling form. Today we're a growing tree. But that's, that's seed. That's a seed. Think of your business. Starts as a seed. Think of your idea. It may start like that, but God rejoices. Yes, they're planting it. The key is to plant it by the streams of living water. This past week I was Friday morning, went to Starbucks, corner of Thurlow and Robson. And I walked in there to get my coffee and somebody said, Oh, you may want to hang around. I got things to do, and I'm thinking, well, maybe not. He said, no, hang around, because Richard Branson's going to be here in a few minutes. I said, okay, I'll hang around. (laughs) I'll see Richard Branson. So sure enough, about 20 minutes later, Richard Branson comes in, and bigger than life, you know, fourth richest man in the United Kingdom. And so I read about him in the Vancouver Sun, and I was reading about him, and you talk about small beginnings. He started by selling his record label out of the the trunk of his car, and uh, he started so small. And, uh, but if you're reading the article, go, went on to say that he gives credit to his family, his friends, and the team that got around him to make it grow. And he, wasn't, he, he makes it very clear, I didn't grow to be where I am today by myself. It was my friends and my family that surrounded me that allowed me to grow this virgin empire that he has. Which leads us to our second point. The second thing about these trees is that they grow in groves. And uh, they're they're growing in community. I think we have a a picture of that as well for you, that they they grow in groves. Uh, Yes, you see the trees behind them, but this is a picture of roots here. And what's important about this is that when they grow in groves, this is just one tree, but you see the roots are, are quite wide the interesting thing about the sequoia tree is the roots aren't that deep. You would think that the roots would be, because they're 300 feet high, you think, well, the roots must be 200 feet deep. Surprisingly, sequoia tree roots don't go much more than three feet deep. Yeah, well, how can a tree stand with that high for 2,200 years and not fall over with shallow roots? Ah, the trick is they, their roots go out this way for maybe more than a half an acre or, uh, or more, and what they do is they interlock themselves, intertwine themselves with all the other trees, so they're locked in really tight with like-minded trees. They don't do that with other trees. It's the same type of trees, and they grow together. And so, if one tree falls, the whole forest would pretty well have to fall. And that's the key for them standing for so many years. They would never be able to do it if they were by themselves. They can never grow to that height unless they are in community. Community is unity and common. We're Community, common things and we're in unity. We have it together. We're, we're in fellowship. This is how do you grow to a great height as a believer and have success? You have to be in community. This is a life group. This is an alpha small group. This is an abundant life on a Wednesday night. This is your family knit together. This is, this is why church is God's idea. And I'll be really forward about it. I do not think a Christian can grow to a great height. Unless they are knit into community in the local church. It was God's design as much as the sequoia tree was God's design. His design is that we are linked together in the church to grow together to great height. Despite all our flaws and all the little hiccups and not being perfect, there's something about being linked together that allows us to grow to a great height. So Paul said this in Philippians chapter 2. Fulfill my joy. What would make Paul happy? A gift card to Starbucks, the latest iPad, a cruise, a new Bible. I don't know. What would make Paul happy? Here's what would make him happy. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded. What makes a mom happy when the kids are on the same page? What makes a dad happy? Everybody's in harmony. What makes Paul happy when everybody's like-minded? The opposite would be true. When people weren't like-minded, there, you lose the strength. He be like-minded, having the same love. Be of one accord. One accord. It means in the upper room, when the church started, how did the church start? They were together in one accord in the upper room. That's how the church started. That's why the church was strong then. May I propose to you today, what will make coastal church strong is when we're one accord. We have to be New Testament Christians. So if you drive a Honda, you now know you're a New Testament Christian. I know that's bad. <laughs> Do you know you know what kind of car an Old Testament Christian drives? A Plymouth Fury. Maybe you don't know that model, it's not out anymore, but a Plymouth Fury, because God drove Adam and Eve out of the garden in his fury. <laughs> scriptural. And you must know that David drove motorbikes. Yeah, David's into motorbikes. It's exactly because his triumph could be heard throughout the land. So we know he was into. And, of course, Paul was into golfing because he finished the course. So we know that golfing is scriptural. That will help you guys. And Joseph played tennis because he served into Pharaoh's court. So there we go. More, okay, one more. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is a test that I give Bible school students, or uh, at least a comment. Do you know that it was Paul's dad that was one of the thieves crucified beside Christ? There is chapter and verse for that, because he said, "My old man was crucified with Christ." Old man, if, you, if you're not used to English lingo, that was, that's a slang for a father. So anyhow, we could keep going, but uh, we mean, we're a long ways from the message. What point are we on? Number two. Okay, rooted. That's good. Fill my joy, community. Yeah. Lord's Prayer even is... When we pray the Lord's Prayer, how did He teach us to pray? How does it start? What our Father, not my Father... Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Give us this day, what? Our. It sounds like community, right? It sounds like a bunch of sequoia trees. Give us this day the rain we need. Give us this day the nutrients we need. So the whole kingdom is based on our. And we cannot grow to the height that God wants. We cannot go to the next level if we don't want to be in community. If you go, man, I'm going to do it by myself, I'm going to be a maverick, I'm going to be like a John Wayne or, you know, some other great hero, that's a myth. In reality, that does not happen. I remember one time talking with Jimmy Patterson, he said, it has not been me, it has been our team. The only way I can grow this company is because of a team. And it's the same thing with us. We, we grow to heights by having great people around us. You, we need the community of the local church, our life groups to grow, to be intertwined, to have the hype that we need. Okay, so that was number two. Oh, boy. I like to stretch the clock, but I can't. You know, by the way, in March 2004, two sequoia trees fell over, and they were shocked because they'd been standing for hundreds and hundreds of years. They were shocked. They go, oh, how can they fell over? All these years, two big trees fall over in the middle of the forest. And they're like, what in the world caused them to fall? And the park rangers came back with a report. You know what caused them to fall? Is they had lots of people coming through that part of the park, and they were walking around the trees trampling the roots. They damaged the roots. Trees that had stood for hundreds of years fell over because their roots were damaged. And we have roots to our Christianity. There are things that Make our Christianity strong. Principles that need not be compromised. And when we start compromising the the foundation of our Christian faith, we're going to fall over. Think of people who were once strong, or even churches that were once strong, but they began to compromise on biblical foundations and they toppled. These big trees toppled because it began to compromise the roots. Do not compromise the biblical foundation that we have. Even if the world is going another way, the Bible says, don't be conformed to the world. Not that God's trying to be mean to us. He just knows we can grow to be a sequoia. Don't compromise the roots. Okay, number three, uh, about the sequoia tree, they have incredibly thick bark. It's up to two feet thick. This is a picture of the base of the tree. You just get an idea of the magnitude. These are epic trees. And their bark is up to two feet thick. And there's something very interesting about their bark. It doesn't have resin in it. So they don't, they're fire resistant. They don't burn. And when the fire comes along, the the sequoia tree doesn't go, Oh, no, a fire, a fire. Oh, no. Fire, we're going to be destroyed. The sequoia tree goes, Yippee, here comes a fire. I'm going to grow even higher. Now, that sounds kind of strange, but this is what James says to us in James chapter 1 Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, that the testing of your faith will produce endurance. In Isaiah chapter 45, there's another verse about the fire, and it says here, or Isaiah 43, when you go through deep waters in great trouble. Anybody been through deep water in great trouble? For those of you who have not raised your hand, your day is coming, okay? <laughs> Just know that. It says, "I will be with you when you go through rivers of difficulty. You will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you." The fires does not consume the sequoia tree. It's very interesting. Why? Because it's got this thick bark. It's wrapped up in this thick bark. It's fire resistant. Do you know the Holy Spirit, when he enwraps himself around us, he's fire resistant. We can hide ourselves in the presence of the Lord. We go to the rock that is higher than us. We can hide ourselves in his presence. And the fire cannot touch us because the Holy Spirit is fire resistant. When Noah went into the ark, it protected him from the judgment waters. And when we go into Christ, we're protected from the fires and the trials of life. Yeah. Mm. Thick bark protects it from the fire. But the fire does something else for it. The fire, those little cones that were the size of an egg, that fire heats up that cone and the cone pops. And out of that little pop comes the seeds. And in that seed, of course, is the new sequoia tree. If the fire did not come, the seed would never be planted. Sometimes in our adversity the best ideas come. Is that not true? Don't they say that necessity is the mother of invention? When you're under pressure, in war times, don't we come up with some of the best inventions, unfortunately? (laughs) But we can use them for good. And so it is when we're in adversity, sometimes that pressure causes the best ideas to pop forward. So the tree is not upset. It's actually excited. Yeah. And also sterilizes the, the soil, adds nutrients, and so that little seed grows the best because of the forest fire. So there's a number of other things we won't talk about because we don't have time, but the fire actually causes the tree to thrive, not just survive. And so when you have a struggle in your life, God's saying, get ready to thrive, not just survive. Because sometimes our attitude is, man, I just got to hang in one more week. I'm just going to hang in until Jesus comes. That is not an overcoming attitude that God wants us to have. We shouldn't be like, oh, man, if I can just get to heaven... Some morning, when this day is over, I'll fly. I like that song, I'll Fly Away. But I don't like the thought that goes with it. Like, I just got to hang on till Jesus comes back. No, he says, occupy till I come back. That means be strong, grow, let my love, my light shine out of you. Don't look like you got baptized in pickle juice and slept upside down in a post hole. You know, like, oh. If that's Christianity, no thanks. If that's what it looks like to be a Christian, I'll pass. Because that doesn't look like life to me. I think we should just emanate, even in the trials of life, a joy that people say, whatever you got, I want. I know that didn't come out of a Jack Daniels bottle. I know that didn't come out of a reefer. You got something that's different, and I would like to have part of that. Okay, that's number three. Number... (laughs) I don't have enough time for all this. Number four, it's disease-resistant. Yeah, there it is, big sequoia tree, growing tall, growing high. Fungi, disease, insects, can't kill it. It's got an immunity to it. And one of the things that will cripple us from getting to where we want to go in our life is if physically, emotionally, whatever sickness attacks us, and cripples us from accomplishing what God wants us to do. In a little while, we're going to take communion. Jesus paid the price for our health. His name is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. He keeps that tree healthy. He keeps us healthy so we can grow, be strong. Whatever area of life, he can take that. Even when sickness, the disease attacks this tree, the tree has the ability to grow extra wood around it and take it and turn it for the good. So God has this ability to keep us healthy and strong and take even a negative situation and turn it for the good. Here's a couple of verses I'll give for you. Proverbs 4, those who discover these words, the words of life, meditate on them, really live, body, soul. They're bursting with health. This tree is a picture of bursting with health. Now, since we're going to take communion, I put it in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Examine your motives, test your heart, come to this meal in holy awe. If you give, look carefully at this verse, if you give no thought or worse, don't care about the broken body of the master, when you eat and drink, you're running the risk of serious consequences. That's why so many of you now are listless and sick, and others have gone to an early grave. That should just kind of alert us to be very respectful of God's Word. Amen? And just really delight in it, meditate on it, appreciate what Jesus did for us. Okay, number five, we've got to wrap this up. Aim high, grow straight. This tree, let me give you the next picture. These trees are amazing. Look at that. You know what I call that? H&L. That is a whole nother level. <laughs> and this is a picture of you in life. These are your, This is the world around you, but there you are, just growing to another level. Aim high, grow straight. That's the sequoia growing to, you know, 300 and some feet, over and above, beyond what people could imagine. Proverbs 10, 9 says, people with integrity have firm footing, but those who follow crooked paths will slip and fall. If that tree was crooked and rotten on the inside, it would never grow to that height. Integrity is so key to growing to the level that God wants us to grow to. And sometimes people will grow to a certain height, experience a certain amount of success, and then they'll forget their foundation or they'll begin to compromise on things. You can't see it from the outside right away, but inside it's beginning to rot. And so it's really important that we continue to maintain and walk with integrity. Integrity is what you're doing when nobody's looking, integrity is what's on the inside, integrity is your character. Integrity has to be based on something, it can't be based on a vacuum. Integrity is based on God's word. You have to take it from something. You cannot just say, well, I'll pick this for my standard and this for my standard. I'm going to adopt it to my experience. No, you have to take something that's higher than you. God's ways are higher than your ways. His principles and say, this is my standard for integrity. You can't write your own standard of integrity. You will not grow like that with your own standard. You have to take God's standards. God's ways are higher than our ways. Take his ways. This is what happened to us. But if we say, no, no, I'm going to write my own standard of integrity, you will be a stump. If you take God's standard of integrity, you will be a giant. So you have to pick it. But pick wisely. Choose God's Word as your standard for integrity, and you'll grow to incredible heights. So we're using the sequoia tree this morning as an example. Much more could be said on it. But I want to, again, just come back to the beginning that we have to love God's Word. We have to base our... It's a hard thing that starts within the seed form by accepting what Christ did for us and allowing Him to come into our lives. So would you bow your heads with me this morning? I want to take just a moment to pray. You might be here today, and this is new for you, or maybe you slipped away, you walked away, and you're coming back, and you said, boy, I need to recommit my life to God. Or maybe you've never accepted what Christ has done for you when He forgave you, when He went to the cross and bore our sins. He, he healed us there. He redeemed us. He bought us back from darkness into light. It's a free gift that has to be received. And so today He extends it to you and say, would you accept my love for you, my forgiveness, my redemption? I invite you to pray with me this morning. And it's not a matter of, oh, I have to do this, this, and this, and then I'll be ready. Or if I'd stop that, no. Just as you are, just say, God, I welcome you into my life. I receive you today. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.